Welcome back to Poolside Podcast. This is episode number 82, and I'm your host, Rachel Anthony. Today, I am sharing my interview I did with Christine. She is the founder of Carita's Company, a consulting and coaching firm. Christine shares her journey from working a typical nine to five for 11 years and then deciding to make the leap into entrepreneurship. She shares the biggest limitations and obstacles small business owners face and how to avoid some of the common mistakes she sees people making. I have made lots of those mistakes and I'm currently working through lots of that. So it was good to hear her advice. We talk about attitude towards money and how that can affect a business. Scarcity mindset really stood out to me when we talked about it because I am constantly battling with it and offering people too many things when they're not paying me enough and it's always been a struggle. So it was good to hear Christine's opinion and her advice for that and the suggestions for changing that mindset and we talked about a couple other things regarding attitude and money and we also chat a little bit about money and relationships and what the best practices are when it comes to having an open conversation about money with your partner and maintaining a healthy relationship for yourself for your relationship and for your business it was an awesome interview and I think you'll get a lot out of it. So let's jump into it. Here is Christine. Welcome back to Poolside Podcast. I'm sitting here in this super fancy room that's professionally being recorded for the first time with Christine. So thanks Woo-hoo. for joining me. I'm excited. Do you want to start with introducing yourself and giving sure. us two fun facts? All right. So my name is Christine Miguel and fun fact number one I used to break, which is also called break dancing. I love sneakers and hip hop and I can speak four languages. Wow. Yeah. What are your four languages? So English. English, Tagalog, which is like Filipino. I also know another language that is spoken in the Philippines called Cebuano (laughs) and Spanish. Wow. Cool. Mm -hmm. That's impressive. I only can speak English. So <laughs> I find it impressive when people can like <laughs> speak other languages. What did you take in school? And what was your initial career path before we get into what you're doing now? Awesome. Yeah. So I graduated with a Bachelor of Commerce at University of Calgary. And then I took the CPA program, which back then was called the CA program. So Chartered Accounting Program. I think your dad's also a CA. So yes. you know, you're familiar. I am familiar. I know how he these- feels about it being switched. <laughs> Yes. So we all have feelings about that, but that's okay. (laughs) That's for another day. So yeah, I did my designation CA, which is now a CPA. I spent four years in public practice working as an auditor. And after I got my designation, I switched over to industry. I went into the construction industry and worked there for eight years. So that was the initial traditional career path. Nice. I mean, sounds very, I'm going to be an accountant. I'm going to do this. And and so then you had a nine to five, you do this for quite a few years. And then when did you decide that that was enough? All right. Well, <laughs> this is <laughs> this is going to be a fun story, not fun story, but a long story. So I hope you're ready for I, it. We're ready. Uh, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so I have actually always wanted to start my own business. And I tell people that I started my first business when I was 10. So my grandma gave me a hundred pesos. We still lived in the Philippines back then. And I baked cookies and sold them to my relatives. So that was my first business. But then we moved to Canada and then I went into the traditional career path, went to university, got my CPA. And while I was in the CPA program, I actually made a deal with myself that I knew I wanted to start my own thing 
from the very beginning, but I had to go through with this career path. So I made a deal that if I had failed even just one module, that I could quit and do my own thing. But fortunately, and unfortunately, I did not fail any modules. And so I got my designation successfully, which I'm super, super grateful for, actually. And so that started that original career path that I was talking to you about. And then fast forward to about four years ago, so near the end of 2014, I was in a really good place in my career. Money was good. My position was good. And I was basically the next step would have been to be like director of finance or VP or CFO. So that's the progression. I had to make a decision because there was a fork in the road and I was kind of like good, but not motivated. And I knew this was the time to pick the path. So down the regular traditional road, I knew what and who I was going to be. And I think your dad, did your dad go down the regular path or? Yeah, he did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I knew what my hours were going to look like, what my life was going to look like. And I actually didn't want that for myself. And so I looked down this other road. It was blurry. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew that I would regret it more if I didn't go down this blurry path of the unknown. And for the first time in my life, I took a risk, a calculated risk, because what I did was after that moment, I started side hustling and kind of like exploring this other world of consulting. And I would visualize like what my days would look like, essentially. So I say calculated risk because I was still working on my job, but also planning my exit in the most type A calculated way, (laughs) which meant that I visualized like what my office would look like, what I would be wearing, what my clients would look like, and what I would be talking to them about, what coffee I was sipping, where I would go for a workout and all those things. So I felt like I manifested this life and now I'm living it. And so it's kind of crazy and amazing all at the same time. So... I just wanted to say too that while I was over here planning my exit, I was also so, so scared to leave because I had been in that industry or that path for like 11 years. And I knew that I had to do it one day, but I didn't know when. And so it was really like when I got pregnant and my son was born that that was the biggest blessing because that was a sign. I knew that I needed to switch my lifestyle to accommodate family life. And that's when I left. Wow. Just pulled the plug. (laughs) Yeah, that's crazy. And I guess like you had a whole plan ahead, but even leaving like a stable job, even if you have a plan, like whether or not it's actually going to work out is always very nerve wracking. Exactly. Because I I was saying it was, it's kind of crazy because you imagine all these things, but you know, like, you know, Instagram versus reality, like it's never going to look that way. And I I can't say I'm really living the life I 100% visualized, but it's quite close. So. Right. And I was going to like, when you're talking about it, how long did it take from like when you quit your job to when you actually felt like you were living the life that you designed? Because I'm sure there's a little bit of like chaos <laughs> in the transition. Yeah. So when did you really feel like you're like, okay, hey, I've got this. This is what I imagined. You know what? I would say like a month ago. And even- I thought you were going to say a month in. I was like, wow. No, but- <laughs> no, 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 no. So just to give you like some context, my son is only 17 months, so almost a year and a half. And so I actually just quit my job four months ago, like officially. And so I didn't really know what I was really, really doing until I spoke to my coach 
And I was like, okay, let's finally do this. I had already quit my job at that time. And I was doing, I had clients, but it wasn't quite like what I wanted to do fully. And so it's just in the past month that I'm like, okay, yeah, this is happening. And this is kind of what I want to do. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And so your company is called Carita's? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so Carita's uh, company. So what does it mean? What's the name mean? All right. So Caritas in Latin means love. So it is actually in direct translation, Caritas actually means charity, but it also translates to the virtue of love in the English language. So my top three values are love, family, and connection. And so the biggest driving force in my life, my why, and what gives me purpose is love. And so I decided to name my company Caritas. And I get this question all the time because nobody really knows what it means. And I I love telling people about it. <laughs> yeah, so Carita's company, I created this to help people make sense of their sense. I specialize in educating business owners on getting organized and set up with their finances so they can be empowered to build and grow their dream business and continue to do what they love. I do this through either part-time CFO services or the educational part of my business, which is workshops and online courses. Cool. And how did you decide like what services you're going to offer? And then how did you start with getting clients? Did they like transfer over from your original job? So actually, when I was side hustling during that fork in the road moment, I just got random clients. Actually, I think that's where I met you because we work for the same client Yes, at that time. Those were just like small business I was working with. So I already had those clients before I even quit my job. So they kind of just carried over. So these clients were not from my regular nine to five because I didn't really have clients at that time. So CFO services are just like, again, it's kind of like the traditional service that accountants provide. So that's a no brainer for me. It's easy. But I'm extremely passionate about teaching. And actually, a few years ago, I taught at the U of L Calgary campus, I taught accounting <laughs> to post-secondary students. And that's when I really discovered that, yeah, I love doing this. I love helping people learn. And so I needed to have an education side to my business. And that's how I came up with those services. Cool. And just looking at like your website and your social media and stuff, it seems that you focus on like entrepreneurs and startups and other people's side hustles. So how did you, why do you focus on them? Or like, why are you passionate about helping those type of people? Yeah. So I've worked for really big companies, multinational companies, as well as small companies. So I was fortunate that way. And I just felt more fulfilled being of service to the small business. So I found that they were most grateful for my services, for the help that I gave them. And to me, that means a lot. And so working for a bigger company, you're like a cog in the wheel. Is that what you say? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that the analogy? Anyway. But yeah, like I just felt a bit more fulfilled and I could relate to them a little bit more because I had that big business experience already. I felt like, okay, I'm okay. I don't need to do that anymore. I find this group I can have the biggest impact on and these businesses are eager, open-minded, and they're so creative that I'm just inspired on the daily. Right. And I guess it's fairly relatable since you started your own company too. So you can kind of exactly. like be like, oh, this is what I did. This is where I've been. So you create like a more intimate relationship, I guess, with your clients then. Yeah. So we're kind of on the same boat and we have the same problems, but I can help them. Yeah. Right. That's awesome. And what would you say are some of the biggest limitations and obstacles that people are facing when it comes to their business? 
So fear is the biggest one. So fear of of anything, not just money. Fear can lead to avoidance, procrastination, and disorganization, especially in the finance side, because I find companies are with a lack of like financial literacy and just confidence around money and how money works and the rules around money, people can get really overwhelmed. And so that just translates to fear and procrastination. And what also limits a lot of businesses is they don't ask for help or seek expertise when they need to. And that I mean early in their business. And so those are the biggest things that I can see. And when would you suggest for people to ask for help? Like, should they do it before they even start their business? Or like, because my dad's an accountant, so I am a little bit different. (laughs) You're lucky. (laughs) But I also just was like, I'll just figure this out as I go. And like, you don't think about it until you get to like tax season or you get to something where you're like, oh shit, I don't know what I'm doing, you know? So, I mean, I guess people should come probably before they start their business, but what if they like can't afford to pay someone? Like when would be the next best time? Yeah. So when you're in the stage where you're still kind of generating ideas on what your business is going to look like, you don't need to hire somebody. You can figure that out on your own for sure. It's really when you start spending money. So as soon as you start spending money, bookkeeping needs to happen right away. So if you don't have a bank account separate from your business, or if you're just overwhelmed and don't know where to begin, that's the best place to start. So if you're asking yourself, huh, GST, I don't know, that's the time to ask for help. And if you can't afford it, like think of it as an investment, because what I always tell people is, If you don't ask for help now and you just end up in a situation where everything is so disorganized, you actually end up paying the accountant or whatever expert. You hire more money later on to fix all the mistakes and all the clutter rather than if you just start from the beginning, get really educated on what to do. And then they don't necessarily have to serve you the whole time. They just need to get you started and then you can do your own books and then you won't spend as much money in the end. Right. Well, and then it's set up and organized and you don't have to worry about it then. Either. Exactly. Because I feel like money for all things in life is stressful for people. So oh, at yeah. least then you don't have to worry about that and you can focus on like other parts of your business. Exactly. Yeah. And besides not asking for help soon enough, what other mistakes would you say new business owners make? All right. So this is going to be a tough one because this happens all the time and it's not paying yourself. So if you build a business that doesn't uh, accommodate you paying yourself, it's not going to be sustainable because you're going to burn out, you're not going to be able to pay rent, and then the business will obviously fail. So that's one thing. And then along the same vein, if you don't pay yourself or don't have enough money to sustain your business, you're going to go into debt really early. And that's a really common mistake. And usually this is because people want to grow too fast. So that's another pitfall. (laughs) So there's three pitfalls right there. So when you want to grow too fast without really ensuring that your business is profitable first, that's also another reason why businesses fail and a big mistake as well. And how would you suggest that people avoid those mistakes? So obviously like to pay themselves, but what would be your suggestion? Like, is there a percentage or like, how much is enough for it to become sustainable? Sustainable. Okay. So going back to paying yourself, you have to know how much money you need to make 
in this business, which means that's how much profit you need to generate from the business. So profit means all your expenses accounted for. So what you're making minus what you pay your bills, that's your profit. And is that profit enough for you to sustain your lifestyle, like to pay your bills and all that stuff? So if it's not enough, that means you're not ready. You can't grow yet. And you need to do something else in your business to make up for that difference. So that's like one way I would look at it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I like it. I feel like people just need really like, simple. Yeah. yeah, people just need to hear it coming from someone, you know, just be exactly. like, it's not that hard. You don't have to worry about it, but you do need to do something about it. Exactly. Because then I find sometimes when people think, okay, I want to be profitable, they think of growing right away because it seems that the volume of transactions that you do in a month will solve your cash flow problems, but it's actually not that. If your products and services are not profitable to begin with, you're actually just magnifying this cash flow problem and it's the bigger problem now and you're still not paying yourself and now you have like triple the work, right? Yeah, seems stressful. <laughs> it's very stressful. That's why I have no employees, no exactly. office, no anything. <laughs> exactly. Just avoid everything to solve the problem. <laughs> and obviously money is like the main topic here and what we're talking about for businesses. So how does someone's attitude about money affect their business? Because I feel like just a mindset can change how your business runs, like whether or not it's profitable or not, but just like to run your business and to feel good about the money in it. So how would someone's attitude affect that? Yeah. So your attitude towards money affects absolutely everything in your business as well as in your personal life. So you may have heard of the scarcity mindset versus the abundance mindset. So a scarcity mindset is the negative attitude towards money because you're operating under this assumption that there's not enough money to go around you might be tempted to heavily discount your products or your services for fear that people won't buy them right because you don't think oh okay i need to give this person a discount because otherwise i won't get another customer so that's the scarcity mindset and it's detrimental to your business because then you're not charging for what you're worth and you're not going to end up being profitable or not profitable enough to support your life. Totally. And even before you go to the next point, because when you said that, because I'm slowly getting rid of the clients that I did that when I first started, I'm like, oh, I'll offer you like this and this and this and like yeah. so many things because I'm like, what if like no one hires me? Like you, you have to hire me. So I'm just going to offer like so much work for a small amount. And then you can't like in a few months, you can't be like, oh, sorry, by the way, I'm cutting literally 95% of your ta like your things because... It's not sustainable. I, yeah, I lied to you about what I offer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, <laughs> and you just like, it's impossible. It's not realistic. Totally. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And like, I'm the same way too. And I'm pretty sure everyone is real talk. Seriously, we're all the same because we want to be valued. We want to feel that people want our services. And if that person doesn't hire you, then no one else will. And then you're not going to have money. But that is completely false. You have to almost just switch your mindset and believe that you deserve the money and someone is going to come around and trust me, someone will. Right. Right. And I'm sure you've, you've seen that before. Once you say no to one, like close one door, another one opens and totally. Yeah. So that's the scarcity mindset. So there's also this mindset of excessive giving, which kind of is related to that scarcity mindset where 
you are too generous. So like you were telling me how, oh, I'm going to offer you all of these services just to make the client feel better, but it's really not sustainable or they don't even need it. So you're too generous and you feel like your worth is defined by what, by what you can give others and you fail to think about filling your cup. So you may have heard this analogy before where like you have to fill your cup first so that it overflows and that overflow will go to the others. So I don't know if I explained that right, but essentially it means that you have to take care of yourself as well because you have, if you have nothing to give, then you're no good to anybody. So the solution here then is to have that abundance mindset. So thinking that there's enough for everyone, including yourself, and that you deserve that money. So even just flipping that switch to thinking that way, you'll find it's just so much more positive that you get to do better work and you feel better about yourself and your business. Right. And I also feel like when you have that attitude, then it not manifests, but I feel like then you come off as more confident in what you're offering and your business just seems worth what you're doing, even if you haven't changed anything besides like just your opinion about your value. Exactly. And also like you'll avoid burnout too, right? Because like if you're giving too much or if you're just charging too little, you're going to burn out one day and it's going to show in your work and it's going to show your clients are going to be like, are you okay? You're frazzled. Like, you know? Yeah, totally. So. Or they're not going to be that nice. They're just going to be like, you're fired. <laughs> like yeah. you're not doing the work. So we don't it's need so to. so true. Yeah. I was talking about a nice client. Yeah. There. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's nice clients and then there's the other people that are yeah. just like. <laughs> Have no time for this. Yeah. They're yeah. like, this is not what we're paying for. Like, oh, yeah. see you later. Totally. Which is terrifying. In its own <laughs> self. <laughs> and what are some of the ways that people can change their mindset? So everything you just said. So how can someone switch from like to get out of a scarcity mindset and get out of all of these like negative attitude towards money? What would you say some of the like small steps they could take? Ooh, this is a good one. Gratitude. First and foremost, gratitude. And I guarantee you, this is the easiest and quickest way to change your mindset and your attitude. So Focus on what you have versus what you're lacking. When we focus on gratitude, we're actually more at peace with ourselves. We're happier. And whenever we're at peace and we're happier with ourselves, we make better decisions, which lead to making more money. So when you make more money, then you're more grateful. And then the cycle continues. So it's just getting started on that little gratitude piece can really set you up for success in the long run. And would you say that's like a journal or meditation? What's your gratitude process for that? I'm not so much a journal person, but I think about it in my head. So anytime that I find myself like slipping into that negative space, I just go and think, I'm one of those optimists that are like, it could be worse, right? And so, and I know like sometimes that's not, like people say like, don't always think that because this is really bad. But then it's, I'm in control of those feelings. And so even just quickly thinking, getting into the habit of every time you think of something negative, just replace that with a positive. Journaling works too. I am the worst at meditation, (laughs) Same. I just thought I would give you the opportunity <laughs> no, that's to amazing. tell people because I don't do journaling or meditation either. But amazing. High five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's all in my head and it's good because then it's kind of like a daily practice and it, it just happens automatically and I don't really have to think about it sometimes. So yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I'm actually exactly the same. So I'm glad you've like just justified 
my because I'm like, oh, I don't write it down. I, I have that like five second journal, whatever that is. Yeah. Every day you're supposed to like five gratitude things. Yeah. Never opened it. Like I have Ain't it. nobody got time for no. that. <laughs> and so I'm just like, am I not, am I doing it wrong? Because <laughs> I just think about it every day. Like during the day, I'm like at spin this morning. I'm like, oh, thank God that I can like afford to go to spin. I can drive to spin. I can actually spin like my body exactly. work, you know? And so then same thing or yeah. I'm like, oh, like I don't want to do this like work. And I'm like, wait, I'm like sitting in my house. It's like 1 p.m. Like it exactly. could be work. Like I could be in an office with a boss that I don't like. <laughs> like, you know, like you do have to put it into perspective sometimes. Exactly. And I find that you just, just don't overthink it. Like you don't need an expensive journal to be grateful. You can just think about it in your head, have it as a practice. Yeah. Totally. So no, I love good. that. Mm-hmm. And do you have any other tips for changing the mindset? Uh, You know what? That's all I'm going to give you right now because even though I said it's easy, it's actually kind of low-key hard. (laughs) Right. Okay, everyone, we can't move on to the next tip until everybody does that who's listening right now. (laughs) be grateful and then talk to me after. Yeah. (laughs) What are some of the tools that are free that are out there for someone to get started with financial literacy and organizing their small business finances? Yeah, that's a good question. So financial literacy is just all about making sense of your sense. So the best way to do that is just know where you're spending money. And so honestly, for personal finances, I would start with your own bank account, your own credit card statements. So every day, look at what you're spending. And most online banking apps or online banking portals actually have this free tool that lets you track like how much you spend on food, on shopping, on transportation, and all those things. Just Take a look at those every day and then once a month, really ask yourself like, where can I cut the spending? Or like, where am I spending my money? Really, that that's the first question. Not even cutting, it's just like being aware, right? And same for small businesses. Download a free bookkeeping or receipt capturing software like Wave. Wave I always recommend Wave because it's free and it's so easy to use. It'll help you stay on top of the pile of receipts and also show you where you're spending every single cent of your business money. So do that for both business and personal and it's free. (laughs) I like it. And it saves time because I'm still a receipt person. Oh yeah. And I just have like a box of receipts that just like every, and I only, I do it every quarter. Okay not on purpose. I'm like, I'll do this at the end of every week and I'll sit down and like organize it. So at the end of the quarter, I'm not just like, why is there so many receipts? Why is it not organized? But I haven't got that far yet. So I still do it. I still have receipts, but I do need to download download an app. But I do, I just wrote an Instagram post yesterday about budgeting and everything because I did my taxes and had like a panic attack about it. But I think it is just like being aware because you kind of just get in a habit of just spending money because you just assume that's like how your life, like I just pay for parking, then I buy a coffee and then I pay for more parking and then I buy another coffee and then you buy groceries, but then I buy extra, you know, like it's just like all yeah, these things. It's and mindless. You, yeah. It's mindless. And you don't even, it's like I, I can afford my coffee and I can afford everything that I've bought, but then all of a sudden it just adds up and you never stop to really do the calculations in your head. And exactly. you're just like, wow, you spent $500 today on like, on, on, on what? what? <laughs> yeah, totally. And I think that it is like just become aware because even if you don't, you're not like, I'm going to cut this. Like if you just become aware, then you won't buy so many useless things exactly. just out of principle for yourself. <laughs> yeah. And fun fact, coming from the corporate world to entrepreneurial world, it's such a shift for me. And thank God for Matt Leave and EI for helping me practice because I didn't even care where my money was going when I had a 
regular paycheck coming in every two weeks. But now it's like, if I'm on my second coffee, I'm like, hmm, do I really need this second coffee? And so even if I'm preaching this stuff to you guys, like I'm still doing it as well and really trying to be aware. And that's all it really is. It's like, I'll still probably buy that coffee, but now I know that it's like, okay, maybe tomorrow I, will, I won't, right? Yeah, totally. I think that is the first step. So if everyone <laughs> is just grateful for everything and aware of what they're spending. So easy, right? Yeah, we're, we're going forward with this. And we don't talk a lot about like relationships on this podcast, mostly because it's all just like business owners and they all own their own business. But I feel like money and relationships are very intertwined and it causes a lot of issues. So obviously it's important to be on the same page with your partner when it comes to money. So what are some of the questions or conversations that people should have between themselves, like whether it's related to a business or just personal finances? What's your relationship advice? Hmm. Okay. It's so funny because I was just talking to my husband about this. We have a really good relationship with money individually and as a couple. And I was asking him like, why is is this working for us? And he actually, this is his answer. And he said, transparency. So transparency is key, especially early on the relationship and getting into the habit of just being transparent with your partner. Because once you guys start talking about money in a non-judgmental way, in a like, just a matter of fact, like, sorry, I really spent like $500 on coffee <laughs> and then no one is judging me. Like once you get into that habit, it makes it easier for you to have the harder conversations later. And I say non-judgy because everyone has their own like spending vices. Like my husband loves to buy computer gear and DJ equipment and cameras while I like to buy coffee and wine and personal development courses. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone has their own thing and you just have to be cognizant of the fact that no one's perfect and you just have to accept your situation as it is and talk about it. I don't know if that's helpful advice, but no, <laughs> that's what I we mean, do. Yeah, I yeah. think, I mean, this isn't extra helpful because Chris and I are the same <laughs> and we're the same because I like to travel and I like to spend all the time. He, he's more of like a thing person but mm. he hunts and fishes so he buys like yes. guns and fishing rods and like all these other things that are really expensive yeah They're very expensive hobbies so is so is electronics and like all of that They're yeah very expensive hobbies and so we both just like you do that i'll do this <laughs> and maybe we'll go fishing in a different country one day and we'll exactly. just combine both of them but it is yeah. you have to talk about it and just yeah. like you can't just buy things and hide them exactly that seems just like a bad relationship thing yeah. in general but you shouldn't like feel guilty and you should be able to talk to your partner about your partner it. like exactly. last night i bought a trip to europe with my friend and i went home and i was like hi guess what, guess what? <laughs> you know and he's not like you're not allowed to spend money because exactly because i think it is like you have to be able to have the conversations about it and if you yeah. want to build a life together and like pay for things together obviously you need to do that together <laughs> and decide which things you're going to buy together exactly so, and would you suggest people have a shared bank account or just like on your personal opinion for that? My personal opinion. So we personally share a bank account, but we didn't do that until we bought a house together. So once that happened, it was kind of like, okay, we do need to share a bank account now, but we still have our own separate credit cards. And the transparency part comes in once a month when he asks me, how much is on your credit card? And then 
And then I have to tell him because he actually, fun fact, he manages our finances because I do that all day. I don't want to do it anymore. And so we still have our own separate credit cards that we spend money on, but we have a joint bank account where everything gets paid out of. So it's kind of like good and bad because it's good. I have my independence to do whatever I want. But at the end of the day, I just have to be ready to tell him why. Right. So, True. yeah. Which is good. Like, it's you should have that open conversation. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I'm going to just add to that quickly, the conversation about being open and, like, everyone just spending money on what they want. For example, if I didn't have transparent conversations with him, I wouldn't have known that the reason why he can afford to buy all this gear is because he actually sold all his old gear. So at the end of the day, he's actually not spending as much money as I thought he was because he is reselling all the old stuff and actually not spending that much. Right. Yeah. Well, and also knowing like depending on how closely you look at someone, your partner's bank account. And Chris and I don't have a totally shared one, but knowing that they can afford what they're buying. Yeah. So I feel like that has to be a conversation too because obviously you don't want to go in debt. Because for me, sometimes like I spend a little bit extra money, but I make extra money like through Instagram, which is just like exactly this like extra spendable money. But we both need to know like how much money we're both making so that it's not like, um, are you like racking up your credit card? Like, you know, like you don't want to put the other person in an awkward position later. Exactly. Yeah, totally. I just wanted to add that in there because I feel like we don't talk about relationships a lot on here, but money and relationships, I feel like are very Mm -hmm. tied to each other. Yeah. Oh yeah. So do you want to talk a little bit about what Hustle Beyond Limits is? Because I know that's your like side passion project. And where did the name come from? What's the goal with it? Give us the whole rundown. Yeah. So Hustle Beyond Limits is just another social media educational channel that my friend Vanessa and I came up with. This is going to be our third season, I believe. So yeah, three years ago, we came up with that name because it sounded cool and we were both side hustlers at that time. And our goal there is to help people level up in business, finance, and personal development by sharing tips and tricks in a fun and authentic way. So a lot of our videos are just very casual, like nothing is too polished and we just have a lot of fun. We interview people and we dance in our videos because <laughs> we were both dancers And it was just like a platform for us to unleash this creative side of like, you know what, let's do this. And there's not going to be any rules because we were both from the corporate world at that time. And let's just see where it goes. Yeah. I love it. And what are the most popular topics that you've talked about that you found has resonated with the audience? Yeah. So people love stories, right? So we once a month, we interview somebody from the community and we ask them to share their story with us. And so it's kind of like this podcast, but on video. <laughs> so people tell their stories and our viewers really resonate and seem to enjoy it. And to us, it seems natural too, because we genuinely love to chat and get to know other people. I love it. That's why we get along so well because I feel I like we, we have the same like outlook on that. Exactly. And a couple more questions. Yeah. How do you balance running your business, running the like podcast video, and then being a mom at the same mm. time? So this is a tough one because I feel like I'm still trying to figure this out and I'm I'm still a new mom. Like I've only been in this <laughs> this quote unquote air quotes position. <laughs> for, you know, two years, right? So ultimately, I thought about it and it comes down to prioritizing. And that means having boundaries and saying no, which is hard for me because I'm naturally just a people pleaser. And 
it's so hard for me to say no to things, especially when I used to say yes to them before I had a kid. So I think that's the strategy that I'm going to go with right now. (laughs) I've also learned to delegate at home with my husband and with other family members. And I'm naturally a type A controlling freak person. (laughs) And so this is so, so hard for me. And I just had to learn the hard way that not everything has to be perfect and done my way. And help is the best thing that I could ever have. So asking for help and having a really good support system is how I really balance all of this, even though I don't feel like I'm balancing any of it. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm sure it'll evolve, like, because you said you quit your job like four months ago and your son is 17 months. Yeah, 17 months. So I'm sure the trend, like, even between, like, a newborn and, like, almost a two-year-old, like, that's a huge difference, too. And I'm sure, like, so I feel like it's an, it'll be an ongoing. Yeah. Like, I don't even know what he's going to do tomorrow. Right. So I don't know. (laughs) Like, I'm just figuring it out as I go, I guess. Yeah. And I guess the lifestyle I have now is actually really flexible and really accommodating for family life, which I guess that's how I balance it too, is I don't need to go to a nine to five. So if my son is sick, I don't have to force myself or pretend to like be working from home when I can just take care of him. And I don't feel guilty whatsoever. Right. No, I love that. That's my goal in life. Yeah. Especially once I'm a mom. Do you have a podcast or book that you would recommend to listeners? All right. So my favorite book currently, and actually probably one of my all time, is The Chillpreneur. So have you read that book? No. No? Okay. So Chillpreneur, I think like if you've been an entrepreneur for a long time, you're going to think everything is just so basic. But because I'm a new entrepreneur, I love that book. And because I'm also coming from like a super rigid, structured, type A type of path, the chillpreneur helped me feel grounded and just be more chill about everything. And so I I highly recommend it. Even for seasoned entrepreneurs, I think it's a good reminder for them to just be like, yo, chill out, relax. (laughs) It's not the end of the world. It's a great book. And then my second recommendation is Profit First. It's an awesome book if you're just getting started in your business or if you're kind of in the middle of it and things are not working out, you're not profitable, but you want to grow. This is the book for you because it's going to tell you like just you need to chill again and you need to look at it more closely before you set yourself up for failure. For podcasts, I really love Gold Digger by Jenna Kutcher and School of Greatness by Lewis House. Love it. I listened to an episode for both of them today. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I'm a huge fan. And where can people find and connect with you? I know you have workshops coming up. Do you want to just give the whole, sure. your whole spiel? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at Carita's Company. Marketing is not like my number one natural strength. So I really try to post on there. And my coach has been like, you just need to get out there and just don't be afraid. And so I'm on there now more regularly And I really admire you, Rachel, because (laughs) you're so consistent. And I'm like, that's goals right there. Oh, my God. It's just a habit. (laughs) It is a habit. So that's one thing I have to work on. But you can find me on there. And I have a workshop series coming up that I'm super passionate about. So along the lines of bookkeeping, I'm holding three bookkeeping bootcamp workshops. So once a month starting October. And this is just really a space for small business owners, side hustlers, or entrepreneurs to get caught up and learn some new things and think of it as like 
detention in a good way. (laughs) (laughs) This is such a bad analogy, but essentially you're going to sit down and get caught up. And when you get stuck, I'm there for you. And so you don't give up and you don't procrastinate even further and just get worse, right? So I've designed it specifically for those people who want to do it themselves and save money in the future. I love it. And can people sign up for that on your website or where can they find that? So it's actually on my Instagram. There's a link in the bio. It's going to be up on my website this week as well, but it's an Eventbrite page that you can go and use to sign up. Cool. Well, everyone should check that out. Yes. I probably should check it out also. Yeah, you should come. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on here and sharing all your financial wisdom. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. I had so much fun. 